0: There's this story about a 29-year-old builder in the UK who on a job site jumps down on a six-inch nail and it drives through the bottom of his boot and all the way through his foot. And somehow he manages to get to an ER and he stumbles in and they get him on a stretcher and they take him back, but they can't even touch the nail without the man screaming and writhing in pain. In fact, they have to administer two different sedatives for him to even calm down enough to be inspected. And when he does, they take the nail and they pull it out from below. And they take the boot off of his foot and slowly remove the sock to find a miracle has taken place. Because there's no blood, there's no puncture site, and confused... They do a little more inspection and discover, actually, the nail went between two toes. To quote the British Medical Journal here, word for word, the foot was entirely uninjured. So what in the world happened here? How can a man screaming and writhing in pain, having to be sedated heavily with enough narcotics to knock out a horse, somehow be found completely well, uninjured, not a scratch on him? What in the world is going on here? Well, it turns out the brain is a powerful thing. This episode is about the importance of taking your placebos. What if I told you that your life, right now, is worth noticing? This is The Attention Collection. I'm Anthony Garcia. Several years ago, I suffered a career-ending football injury. And what I mean by career-ending is that I no longer play flag football in hilly fields with marginally athletic dudes. Because when I was doing that, I stepped into a dip, and I heard a pop. And I felt a snap, and I fell backwards. And long story short, I tore my meniscus in half, so much so that it folded underneath itself and blocked my knee joint from bending completely. And so I had my knee propped up for a couple of days before I finally went in and had an MRI, and turns out it's bad news. And I had a surgery. I had an arthroscopic surgery where they took two little holes and went in, and this was the prognosis. We might be able to fix it, But if we can, you'll be off your knee, you'll be off your feet for the next five to six weeks. If we can't, we just cut out the damaged tissue, you no longer have a meniscus, and you'll be back on your feet this afternoon. Fortunately, and simultaneously, unfortunately, they were able to fix mine. And I only say unfortunately because that meant I had to stay off my feet for several weeks. But you'll be happy to know things have improved and I'm up and at them again. But a couple years ago, I came across this study about meniscus repair surgery. And my ears perked up only because I've been through it. But what was interesting is they tracked two different groups. One group got meniscus repair surgery. The other group got what's known as a sham surgery, which means they didn't actually do anything. In some cases, they poked a couple holes, but there was actually no repair. And yet when they've tracked both groups a year and two years out, both groups almost equally report improvement on the same level, at the same track. So the people who got the sham surgery feel as if they're just as improved as the people who were actually repaired. And what's fascinating about this is the placebo effect. And you've no doubt heard about placebos before. In the pharmaceutical world, they're what's known as a sugar pill. It basically looks like medicine, but it provides no therapeutic value whatsoever. It's empty. But they've done studies with active medication right alongside placebos, and many people report improvement for any given ailment by taking the sugar pill. But what's even more mind-blowing is that people report improvement taking a placebo even when they know it's a placebo. Even when an ethical doctor looks them in the eyes and says, I want you to take this, but I want you to understand There are no active ingredients in here that will provide pain relief or that will cure your ailment. And yet they take it home and swallow it down with water twice a day and feel better. And we still don't know exactly why this works. And I say we as if I have any scientific or medical knowledge. I don't. But based on the things I've read, we're still trying to wrap our heads around why it actually works. And yet it does. So for me, this immediately calls into question, if that is the case, if we can essentially trick ourselves into feeling better, why do I need a pill at all? Why the placebo? Why can't I just look in the mirror and say, no, you don't have a headache, you feel better, and my headache just dissolved? I've personally come to the conclusion that willpower is overrated, because that doesn't work for me. So even if it is the ritual, the pouring of the pill, the drinking of the water, the act, why not just lean into this? Why not just take full advantage of this hack? Why not just take our placebos? So let me ask you this. What is your favorite everyday placebo? There's this article in the Epoch Times, and they highlight a Reddit thread about placebos. And someone asked the question, what is your go-to placebo, basically? And these are just a few of the responses. One is, when you have a boo-boo as a kid and mom kisses it, or dad kisses it. Come on, we kiss boo-boos too. Isn't this the truth, though? I've actually seen this in action. I'm not talking about blood spurting out across the room and a kiss is going to take the pain away. But for a knee scrape or a bump or bruise, a lot of times it does actually do the trick. What is it about that? I mean, think about it. On some level, if it's an open wound, that's actually a horrible thing to do. You're getting your germy mouth next to an open wound. But boo-boo kisses from mom and dad or grandma and grandpa or aunt or uncle, whatever you might be, they work. It's a placebo, but if it gets the job done, kiss the boo-boo. Or what about the closed door button on an elevator? We know it doesn't work. We know it doesn't actually make the doors close faster at our beck and call. And yet when we push it and eventually when we see those doors close, we feel like we've put a dent in the universe. We feel like we've actually solved the problem. And in this case, the problem is I don't want anybody else on this elevator with me. But enough about random strangers on the internet. What's your go-to placebo? You know, is it, I don't know, essential oils. And I realize I just stepped on a field full of landmines here because people get passionate about essential oils. On one side, you got people rolling their eyes so hard you can hear it. And on the other side, you got people whose lives have been radically transformed by essential oils. Listen, I don't have a dog in the fight and I have no judgment whatsoever. I know there's not a lot of scientific evidence that points to essential oils doing what many people claim that it does but listen if it works for you it works you know if that lavender combo relieves your stress rub it on your temples your forehead put it on pillows put it in your shoes rub it all over your steering wheel put it on your computer at work if it does the trick it does the trick if it cures your cold as long as you're not sneezing on me Live into your truth. And now I'm gonna move on to a field that's even more filled with landmines. But hear me out. Is prayer your placebo? Now, here's what I'm not suggesting. I'm not suggesting that the God you pray to is not real. I'm not saying that at all. But let me put this what if out there. Let's just, for the sake of a thought experiment, say that there actually is no God on the other end of that prayer listening? Would it matter if your prayer and your time spent in prayer and meditation makes you a more considerate, patient, thoughtful, loving, concerned person? Why not? So if... You're the type of person who rolls your eyes when you hear about someone praying. I would simply ask this question. If it's helping and not hurting, what does it matter to you if it's real or not? It's real to them, and it's making a real impact on their lives and the lives of others around them. As long as they're not praying to the God of flames and destruction, pray on. You know, is your placebo... Those morning vitamins that may or may not actually do anything. Perhaps you just pee 99.9% of the vitamin out of your body. If you take that vitamin in the morning and you feel more energy, you feel healthier, it's doing its job. That step counter on your wrist that Fitbit or that Apple Watch that's counting your steps, and when you hit 10,000, you feel like you've accomplished something. I don't know if this is true or not, but I've actually heard from several people that the idea of 10,000 steps is completely arbitrary, that the person who first invented the pedometer used that number just as a test, and it stuck. But here's the thing. If you are taking... 800 steps a day, and now you're taking 10,000 on purpose? If you're thinking about your health in a way that you weren't thinking about it before, if your goal is feeling better, if it gets you to avoid the elevator and take the stairs, who cares if it's 10,000 or 20,000? It's doing its job. Or what about your social life? What about the restaurants you frequent? Today, My family went to this breakfast place that we read about that had rave reviews and we walked into the building and it was packed. Every table was filled and there was a line literally out the door, but we stayed. And part of the reason why we stayed was because there was a line out the door because it sends a cue. Yes, on some level it's an inconvenience, but it must be a worthwhile inconvenience if other people are waiting for it. So just that in and of itself was a placebo. But there's another placebo wrapped inside that placebo. I know the food was enjoyable because I enjoyed it. I cleaned my plate but there's a good chance it was tastier because of the room we were in and because of the expectations we brought to it based on what we saw other people enjoying. Sometimes people are our placebos. Certain people seem to conjure up the best in us. We're funnier, we're more poetic, we're more energized or conscientious when we are around certain people. They're placebos to us. Sometimes certain places can be placebos. You know, when I'm in this space, I'm more relaxed. I'm more creative. I'm more focused. By all means, take your placebos. If they help, they help. But be careful. Because there's an important distinction between a placebo and a crutch. One activates the power that already exists within you, the power of the mind, the power of our perception to change things. The other is an external aid meant only for temporary use. Sometimes people are crutches we've been leaning on for far too long. We get comfortable and we become dependent rather than working to stand on our own two feet, and so they end up hurting us more than helping us, even if they have good intentions. If you're willing to be painfully honest with yourself, you already know which is which. And one final word on placebos. They're undeniably powerful, but they don't cure cancer. They have limitations and we have to be honest about this. So by all means, wherever we can, we should use them because they work. But we have to get clear about when they won't work, when they're just crutches that we've held on to for far too long, or worse, when they're completely ineffective for a stage in our life or for what we need to do. Sometimes we have to completely change everything. Sometimes we have to reach out for help because we can't do it on our own. The trick is to be able to see this, to notice the needs of your life as it unfolds. It's an art. It's the art of paying attention. There's a good chance this podcast provides no helpful or therapeutic value whatsoever. But if it works for you, keep listening and share it with other people. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends who are on Spotify and Stitcher. We're on there too. And join us on Facebook. I'd love to see you on Instagram. Come see us on the gram. Until next time.